Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Through the Noise. We have released our February edition of the Global Market Outlook titled A Window of Opportunity. To discuss this, I have with me Manpreet Gill, who runs our bond, FX and commodity divisions within the CIO office. Manpreet, let's get straight into it as I sense there's a lot to cover. So let's start with the title, A Window of Opportunity. What do you mean by this? Hi, Steve. Um, Well, a window of opportunity really follows on from the market volatility we've seen recently. Um, I mean, the S&P has uh, sold off relatively significantly, um, as has, of course, the technology sector. uh, But it raises the question of whether you know, that sell-off has further to go or whether we've got, uh, whether it's ended up creating a window of opportunity to buy the dip. And here's where a bit of historical perspective might be useful, because if you look back at the last bull market from about 2009 to 2020, um, actually the S&P witnessed six pullbacks of more than 10% during that broader bull market, uh, ranging from 10 to about 19%. And while each of them was actually quite scary, uh, just as the current one uh, can can cause some concern uh, when you're in the middle of it, uh, we know with hindsight that each of those was actually a great uh, window of opportunity to buy the dip into the broader bull market. So as long as you don't expect the recession to be imminent, which is not the case right now, uh, none of those indicators are flashing red, we do think this uh, you know, recent pullback has created a window of opportunity for anyone who's been sitting on the sidelines waiting for an opportunity to jump in. Okay, I just want to follow up with that because, you know, certainly I have far too many conversations that are that, that more than I would like to in terms of clients that, you know, almost have zero allocation to equities. Um, so you're saying buy the dip. Does that mean you go in all in today if you're if you haven't got anything uh, invested at the moment? Well, I think the the most important starting point is to actually have a bit of a plan on what the end target allocation is and try and achieve that in a time-bound manner within this dip. Um, Because, uh, you know, it can be quite difficult to time a specific bottom. um, And, you know, actually the biggest risk you tend to face is that you miss it completely. Uh, But if someone, uh, you know, doesn't have any equity allocation at all and the target is to, you know, achieve a certain number, then it's often better not to wait. Um, An averaging approach can still be an attractive one. It means you're not trying to excessively stress over trying to time a a particular bottom, uh, but you can still achieve a really good average price and start building an equity allocation uh, towards the target that's right for you. I think that's really the more important, most important thing uh, than worrying about whether you're uh, jumping in at the bottom or all in in one go or staging it out over a few weeks. Yeah, and I guess as markets go a, a bit lower, then maybe you can accelerate those purchases as well, which is probably where we're, where we're at now. Uh, maybe if we can just move to you know regional preferences within that. I, I know we started the year overweight and preferring the US and Euro area. That's still the case and why? Yes, that, that still is the case. And I think uh, when we think about the US, it's it's the growth story that's really important. Um, you know, uh, these worries over interest rates can dominate in the short term, particularly in sectors like technology. Uh, but at the end of the day, we still expect economic growth to stay above trend, uh, even if it slows from current levels by year end. We expect that to feed through to, um, you know, corporate earnings. Um, and we're seeing indicators like consumer spending being quite strong. So that's actually supportive for the US. And Europe, of course, is 
arguably a little bit earlier along the curve where uh, the central bank, if anything, has been at pains to argue they're much more supportive and in no hurry to tighten, uh, you know, unlike the Fed. And they're witnessing a similar sort of rebound uh, in economic activity, um, hopefully something that will extend after Omicron. So when you put those together, we think the growth element is what really sort of stands behind a preference for US and euro area equities. Now, obviously, China has a very different economic cycle at the moment. So you talk about the the strength we're likely to see in US and Europe. Um, China obviously has been decelerating. We're starting to see some policy easing coming through there. So very, very different profile. What does that mean um, from a Chinese uh, equity market perspective? So you're right. I think the debate is quite a different one. And when it comes to China's PBOC, the debate is where, you know, just how much easing are we likely to get and what, what the nature of that easing is. And in our view, it's in the policy goal and the messaging we've got from central bank governors is that the central banks, you know, trying to target policy stability, uh, growth stability and, and avoiding wider contagion in the market. And in our view, that means there may be more easing in the pipeline, but some of that could be more macro in nature with interest rates. Some of that could be a little bit more targeted towards specific sectors. Now, for the equity market, directionally, that's a positive. Um, but there's always the danger of obviously extrapolating, um, you know, easing into turning into substantially more easing. So for us, it's the short-term technicals are, are arguing the picture is turning more positive gradually. Uh, we're sort of getting tentative signs of a bottom in indices like the Hang Seng. But for us, it's about maintaining a core exposure to Chinese equities at the moment. So perhaps not ranking up there with the US and Europe, but a more targeted approach through sectors like uh, consumer discretion and industrials, for example. Those are two sectors we favor. Uh, that could be a good way to get started and rebuild that exposure. Okay, but maybe before we move on from equities, just one last point from a sector perspective. Obviously, we've seen tech, um, you know, really getting um, badly hit, um, especially you know the, the the sort of more high volatility companies that don't um, make money today. Uh, we've seen you know very significant um, sell off in certain names, but uh, the broad tech level. Um, does the window of opportunity concept apply there as well? Uh, and if so, how would you play it? Absolutely. I, I think when you think about the example, we, we spoke about the S&P and, and 10% pullbacks in the last bull market, you could make almost exactly the same case for the tech-heavy Nasdaq, uh, but just change the, the threshold to 15%. Um, and look, to some extent, you know, it's, it's simply the case that technology sector is just more volatile, both on the way up and the way down. So it's natural the sell-off is larger uh, when we do get one. Uh, and part of it is linked to the nature of the sell-off today, where the concern is higher interest rates, higher bond yields. And since for a lot of technology sector firms, particularly the smaller ones, which have earnings, expected earnings far into the future, those tend to get hit much more by changes in bond yields uh, because of the way those future expected earnings are discounted. But at the end of the day, what we also know is that the technology sector, while interest rate and bond yields can be a short term headwind, earnings you know, tend to dominate in the long run. So we think our, our way of thinking in terms of the pullback offering a window of opportunity applies equally to the technology sector. We just need to mentally adjust for the fact that both on the way down and the way up, it can be more volatile than the broader market. Yeah, and you're talking about bond yields there, right? And obviously, that's one of the reasons why we prefer, you know, the sensitivity of bond yields um, is one reason we prefer high yield bonds, which are, are less sensitive to rising bond yields than, than obviously other areas such as the investment grade market. But maybe if we just talk about bond yields in a context of the dollar and gold, I mean, you know, one of the few things that's done okay this year is gold. I mean, bond yields have gone higher, which means bond prices have gone down. Equities obviously are under pressure as well. But gold has been a ballast. But 
How does that fit into this rising bond yield environment and the dollar outlook? Well, for gold, um, you know, we've always been of the view that rising bond yields, particularly in net of inflation terms, can be a headwind. Uh, and to some extent, that explains why, you know, gold has been arguably within a broad range uh, in the last few months as, as, you know, bond yields have gradually, slowly but surely risen. But I, I think it's remarkable that gold has actually done a great job as a portfolio diversifier over the past month. So while both equities and bonds are down in absolute terms, gold, you know, is up. And we think there are two additional reasons why um, you know, we still favor gold within that diversified allocation. One, of course, is that there is reason to believe a weaker dollar uh, can pick up where you know, bond deals left off, uh, and that can be a long-term support. But in the short term, uh, gold does do a good job uh, in offsetting short-term equity market volatility. So that's the other factor we think um, you know, can support gold over shorter horizons. So for us, it's still a preferred asset class, but the short-term and long-term drivers, of course, can be quite different. Okay, um, I think that's all for today. So thanks, Manpreet, for joining me. Um, and thank you for listening. Uh, please follow the link in the description to our latest publications, including the latest Global Market Outlook, a window of opportunity referenced in this podcast. Also look out for our Standard Chartered Wealth Insights page on LinkedIn, uh, which also includes a lot of our CIO office content. As always, please feel free to subscribe, rate and review our podcast. And please take care and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.